Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey, folks. Today, Abby Kleckner and I are going to speak with Keith Giles and Becca Pugh about Peace Catalyst International and their great new podcast. We talk a lot about loving your neighbor on the show and promoting peace in the process, which is something that Jesus instructs us to do. This is the mission of Peace Catalyst, so we're excited to have this conversation with Keith and Becca. Right. Now, Abby, I enjoy having you on the show. I enjoy when you can make time or you have time because I know you're busy mom, wife, and now a new homeschooler. So you're super busy all the time. But I'm happy that you're on the show with us today because you have a way of looking at a topic and you pick up on things that I miss. And your understanding of peacemaking is why I'm excited to have you on the show. The way you go about it, just your understanding of it blows my mind sometimes. But how are you doing today? Thanks. Well, I'm happy to be here. I'm doing really good. So everybody knows Abby, that knows the show, knows Keith Giles. And Keith, the first time you were on the show, and when I before I was able to lock up an interview with you, Abby told me, she said, if you're able to get Keith Giles on the show, you have to let me be part of that episode. And it wasn't almost like a, she wasn't asking me, she was telling me. It was almost like a threat, like if I didn't allow her to be a part of the show, she was not going to ever speak to me again. So now you're pretty much a regular guest like uh, Abby is. But Keith, how have you been? Oh, thanks for asking, Greg. Yeah, doing doing great. And um, thank you guys for, you know, letting me letting me be somebody who's welcome to come on and, and talk about things like this regularly. I really I feel at home. Uh, I love you guys. I love the work you guys are doing, too. And yeah, I've been doing good. Um, you know, we moved to El Paso, Texas about a year and a half ago and um, settling in here, you know, trying to get, find, a, find our place here. And God's been opening some really cool doors. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's been, been pretty good. Awesome. Becca, you are new to the show. And so what I like to do with new guests is have them give us some background so people can be familiar with you before we get into the, the talking points. But Becca, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Um, and, you know, I've been working with Peace Catalyst International for almost two years now, coming up this summer um, in the Washington, D.C. area. And prior to that, I was doing ecumenical accompaniment in the West Bank for three months. And um, before that, I was studying peace building and conflict resolution at a school in DC called American University and had done some Israel-Palestine peacemaking pilgrimages with my church and um, telos group. So kind of like, yeah, my background and a little bit about how I got where I am today. I remember speaking with, with Keith. Uh, he was on our episode that I had with him and Jason Porterfield, and we talked about the early church. It's a fantastic conversation that I love having because it's I'm fascinated by the early church, and these guys are loaded down with information. I would have had them talking for 18 hours if I could, but I couldn't do that. I couldn't keep them all night, but it was just a fascinating conversation. But at the time when we were recording, Keith had been talking about, on, I'd seen on social media, he was talking about Peace Catalyst. It was something he was just starting to, get involved with. And I was like, that's pretty cool. That's, that's kind of how we're, Jesus instructed us to, to behave. And, and I liked what they were doing with it, but I'm curious how, and I'll get to Keith next, but how did you get involved? What, what brought you to Peace Catalyst? Yeah. Well, you know, I was, um, when I was finishing up my grad program, I started looking at different peace building organizations and had been engaging in this like peacemaking group at my church. And kind of finding more of a faith-based, uh, like, you know, formation for peacemaking, whereas my studies are pretty secular. So it was kind of like this interesting mix of like, <laughs> you know, I believe that Jesus calls us to be peace builders or peacemakers, but then my formal education is so like 
kind of outside of that world. Um, and so when I came across Peace Catalyst, it really stood out to me because well, I had like Muslim friends and I had studied abroad and lived with a Muslim host family in Jordan um, in college. So that kind of like first showed me, you know, how beautiful those friendships can be. And I just loved that Peace Catalyst was a Christian organization that was seeking to foster peace with our neighbors and like specifically Muslim neighbors, um, but really like intentionally building relationships and friendships with everybody, no matter, you know, what group they're a part of. So it really just stood out to me because it was so different and unique. And I think that we are called to be peace builders if we follow Jesus. So it was just a pretty natural fit. I think that's one of the most, one of the things that is missed most by Christians is that we're supposed to be peacemakers. <laughs> I mean, it's missed by so many Christians. And it, I was I, I was missing that point at, at one time in my life as well. And um, Keith, how did you get involved? Did it come after Becca or was it about the same time? Yeah, you know, what's funny is I think Becca and I started probably almost near the same time frame. So we both have only been with Peace Catalyst about a year and a half or so. But I didn't know Becca before this. The way Wendy and I kind of came across Peace Catalyst was um, when we were living in Boise, Idaho. I was kind of desperately looking for other Christians in the Boise area because, you know, I didn't know anybody and it seemed pretty conservative. Some of the first couples we met, people we met, uh, were Nick and Laura Armstrong probably through Facebook or something. Anyway, uh, Nick and I had coffee together and I just loved him. Great guy. You know, we were nodding and agreeing. Everything we talked about was so great. Uh, we're on the same page. And then I found out he was working with Peace Catalyst uh, and he and his wife. And then they invited us to what's called a Peace Feast. And it's this amazing, you know, they cater Mediterranean food from a local Muslim-owned uh, restaurant. And uh, we just had amazing food and we sat across the table. Uh, so Christians and Muslims sit together and sit across the table from each other and share a meal together and just talk. And it was such a beautiful experience because the people at our table were just started talking, not as Christians or not as Muslims, but just as like people, you know, like the, a woman across from sitting across from me kind of just started talking about how her daughter was going to go away to college and she was worried about what was that going to be like? And was her daughter going to still follow her faith or was she going to fall away or be tempted by things and what she was going to do about that? And then people just responded again, not as Christians, but just as parents, you know, as uh, just saying, yeah, you know, our kids went away and here's what happened and here's what we recommend and blah, blah, blah. And it was just a really beautiful way uh, to recognize that we're just people and the things that are that make us different, you know, if we don't focus on that, if we just focus on what we have in common, we realize, wow, how much we really do have in common. Uh, and so that was our first experience of Peace Catalyst. And um, and then Martin, Martin Brooks, who's the uh, director of Peace Catalyst, I got to know him really well through my Square One program that I offer. So I kind of got to know him through that. And then he invited me. He said, you know, he kind of just asked me. I was already helping them a lot because I loved what they were doing. So he would share something and I would forward it. You know, I would share it to my Twitter or my Facebook. I would talk about the great work they were doing. And I was already kind of helping promote them. And I was giving them a little bit of free consulting, like, hey, you guys should try this or you guys should do that. And uh, then Martin just kind of said, hey, Keith, would you consider coming on board like officially? Wendy and I prayed about it and said, well, why not? So, yeah, we've been trying to do some similar work here in El Paso. There is a Muslim community here. Yeah, we're just excited about doing all we can do to bring Muslims and Christians together and have these kind of conversations. Some of the best people I've ever met in my life are Muslims. Yeah. And 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 uh I remember and we we'll get into this a little bit during the show I'm sure but uh when 9/11 happened there was a attitude and it was a, I understood the anger. I was angry. I think everybody was pissed off a little bit to to some degree about what happened. But what what I never grabbed onto like I saw a lot of Christians doing was this hatred and just just singling out one person or, you know, a person because of their faith. As angry as I was, I couldn't, I, I couldn't allow myself to do that. And I saw it going on. It was just ugly to see it happening. And it wasn't, it wasn't right. I mean, and, and it's really given Christians a bad name. And that's why I love so much what you guys are doing. We need to have these discussions. We need to have conversations with folks that are not of the same faith. 
Jesus didn't walk around looking for Christians. <laughs> he walked around talking to folks that weren't like-minded with him. You know, he was just having conversations. And I'm curious, Abby, you've been following their their podcast. And, and do you have anything you want to ask? Because I, I'll sit here and ramble and get lost in the conversation. I don't want to exclude Abby because I want to have her. I had her on for a reason. I was just curious to hear your background because I, I feel like that's a unique position coming out of the church from a young age to be so involved in peacemaking in the Middle East and all that kind of stuff. So I'm curious how you got started in all of that. Yeah, that's such a good question. I, you know, I've always kind of felt like just really heartbroken about the way that some humans can treat each other and how the way that we think about other human beings can actually lead to killing them. You know, there's just like war and violence is just, has always been something I felt so um, just burdened about, just really heartbroken and wanting to see, you know, how could I potentially be part of creating peace or fostering reconciliation between these groups of people that, um, you know, have fear or hatred towards each other. And so um, really with like with Israel-Palestine or the Middle East um, specifically, it just it started really, I think, when I was in school and I started to learn in college about um, just like the conflict or the history of the conflict um, between Palestinians and Israelis and also like the larger Middle East as a whole, you know, just all these different um, wars and things happening abroad. Um, but I think what really struck me was that I had grown up in a very um, kind of pro-Israel church environment that was pretty conservative. And there was just no question, like, we support Israel, these are God's people, and like, that's what we do, you know? But I had never actually heard from a Palestinian before. I, I had never learned what their story is. And so when I went to study abroad in Jordan, it just kind of shook my worldview. Like I was like, I didn't know that there's an occupation, you know, I didn't know that there's all this kind of violence happening on the ground. And so we just kind of picture like, oh, the Holy Land, like it's so magical and amazing. And it is like, <laughs> there is so much beauty there. But I think God, like Jesus is the God who like died on a cross, you know, so there's suffering and there's pain and there's conflict. And um, in the midst of that. So it just, yeah, it really gave me a heart to want to see how I could potentially be part of, of peacemaking and, and bringing people together. Um, and then I think, you know, in my church community, I started to meet others who had a similar heart for like wanting to bring about reconciliation, wanting to be peacemakers and understanding that Jesus you know, said, blessed are the peacemakers. And the Bible says to live at peace with all people as far as it depends on you, if it's possible. So I think those things just started to become more highlighted for me um, through meeting others who had a similar heart. And then shalom, like this concept of what God originally intended for humanity and for the world um, and wanting to participate in restoring that, um, restoring shalom in our communities and um, in the earth, it just, yeah, it really, it really broadened my view of my own faith and my own understanding of following Jesus. Wow, that's so amazing. Um, do you feel like you've gotten, like, coming from the pro-Israel church background, which I think all of us have heard a lot of that, did have you gotten any pushback or people, like, uncomfortable with you changing your views on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of times it's hard. I think people just, they repeat back what they hear in the media, you know, and so they'll be like, wait, I thought that all Palestinians are terrorists or like, what about the suicide bombings, you know, like, and they don't have kind of a holistic picture of like, well, there's actually so many complex factors to you know, things that are happening on the ground. And there are so many different narratives at play, like it's not just a one sided story. Um, so, you know, I definitely, it's hard sometimes, because I will often get pegged as like, <laughs> the hardcore, like pro Palestine girl. And it's like, I'm just trying to present an, 
<laughs> you know, and I'm just trying to present a narrative that people don't ever hear. So I think sometimes it can be a little hard to, um, yeah, kind of see yourself as being like, I'm speaking up for these stories that nobody's ever hearing about. Um, but then kind of get pegged as like one-sided. So I'm, I'm learning how to be more like holistic and, you know, be like, I love Israelis. I love Jewish people. Like I believe they should have safety and feel um, freedom and security too, but so should the Palestinians, you know, like, and how do we bring that about for, for both people? So. And I think that that's one of the key things that Peace Catalyst tries to emphasize is that it isn't, you know, it's not like, well, oh, well, if you love Muslims, you must hate, you know, Jews. Like, you know, can I love everyone? Like, aren't we supposed to love everyone? So um, you can, yeah, you can, you can, you can love Muslims and love Jewish people and love, you know, Hindus and Buddhists and, you know, and, and, and atheists and everybody, right? That, that should be our point, the point. And so it's not, we're not against anyone. We're, we're for, um, you know, we're for reconciliation because Jesus calls us to that, right? We've been given, Paul says, this ministry of reconciliation. And, you know, we just want to help. I think our podcast, what we're trying to do is remind Christians of that and and just kind of give them some practical resources for it and, and maybe do a kind of a, a check-in and say, how's that coming? You know, so you got this ministry of reconciliation, right? Yeah, how's that coming? Who have, who have you reconciled? Um, today, you know, how are you? How are you living out this reconciliation ministry that you're directing? Um, you know that you've been given charge of in your own life, and so it, it, recognizing that it, we have the call, but also recognizing that it isn't easy, and um, we have a lot to learn. So we're just trying to share what we've learned and and learn from others. That's why we bring in on these guests uh, who have incredible experience, way way beyond what we have. Um, to hear them tell their stories of peacemaking and reconciliation. And um, that's what we're hoping to do with the podcast is just let it be a, a way to have this conversation and share these stories. Hey folks, Craig here. And I'd like to let y'all know we are always looking for writers to contribute to our blog. I don't care if you have any experience or not. Two or three of our contributors have no prior experience writing, and it turns out they have a real knack for it. Our project coordinator helps them put the articles together, and she publishes them on our website and Facebook page, and you will also have the option to come on the show and go more in-depth about your article. So if you like what we're doing at The Bad Roman and would like to try your hand at writing, then send us an email at thebadromanpodcast at gmail.com. We're having a blast with this project, and we would love for you to join us in helping promote it. Now back to the show. At the time of this recording, you've released two episodes, and I've listened to both, and they're incredible. It, I, I, I agree that we need these conversations more. People, Christians, seriously need these conversations more. Christians need to hear these conversations more. And I don't, I don't know if either one of y'all. I know Abby is, but I don't know if y'all are familiar with Scott Horton. He runs antiwar.com, Libertarian Institute. Um, fantastic podcast. He's probably one of my favorites right now. But I had him on the show, but I was listening to him the other day, and he was. He was talking to his name was Matthew Hole. He was a he's an Iraq War vet, and he worked in the State Department uh, during the Obama years. And he was his post was in Afghanistan, and they were talking about these Afghan villagers. They're so isolated from what's going on. They don't. They've never heard of the. They call it the New World. They've never heard of the New World. They had to describe New York City to them like it was a village in a far off land. And when they would see these American soldiers there, they thought they were Russian soldiers, like the Russians never left. And it was when I, when I heard him talking about this, I was like, wow. So we're over there destroying their country, and these folks don't even know who we are. And we're just walking across their land. So and when, I understood, when I heard that, I was like, you know, we used to pinpoint these folks because they were the ones that, were, that attacked us on 9-11. no. They're over there farming their land. They're over trading with each other. They're just living their lives. They have no idea. When, but when he said they thought they were Russian soldiers, like, wow. Americans are so, and Christians especially, are so, they're so blinded to this stuff. I don't know, man. When he, when he said that, it just took me back. I was like, wow, these people don't even know who we are, and we're over there destroying them. Because they, we think that the, 
they're all out to get us. No, <laughs> they just want to be left alone like the rest of us. Yeah, I think we bought in. Unfortunately, we bought in. Americans, you know, and American Christians have bought into this this false uh, idea that you know, like, well, why why were there terrorist attacks? You know, why did they bomb the World Trade Center? Why are they? Why are there suicide bombers? You know, blow, you know, targeting um, American military convoys in Iraq or in Afghanistan or places like this. The answer we've been handed is, well, they hate us for our freedoms. Oh, yes. They really, these people just hate freedom. There's nothing that makes them more angry than freedom. (laughs) And it's like, are you kidding me? No, 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 no. That's not the reason. The reason is the kind of like you're talking about that, you know, these people have lived there for hundreds of generations. You know, this land is theirs. And um, and then they wake up one day and there's a bunch of American soldiers with machine guns standing in their front yard or driving down their street. And like, how would you feel if you woke, look out your window one day on your street and there was like, you know, a bunch of armed soldiers with tanks from another country rolling down your sidewalk? Um, yeah, you might want you, that, that. You wouldn't see that as freedom. <laughs> you would see that as what are these guys doing here and why why don't they leave? What are they? You know, they're here to take our resources and they're here to. You know, it's just it's not it's not the story we've been told. And I think the more we can kind of put ourselves in their shoes, maybe we can understand a little more of like how they see us. And then see also when recognizing this is getting into the other thing about how we perceive the other. Right. We it's the mistake also to say like, well, because some people, you know, were Muslims and they did some violent things. All Muslims are this way. Islam is a violent religion. It's just a violent religion. Well, you know, it, two can play that game. And, and and here's the thing. They do. So they see American soldiers. Well, America is a Christian nation. That's what they tell us. America stands for Christianity. And so these Christian soldiers are running around doing these horrible things in our country. This is what Christians are like. They bomb our villages. They they kill innocent people. They steal our resources. Well, that's what Christianity must be all about. That's what Christians do. And so in the same way, we wouldn't want them to make these assumptions about Christianity based on what some people in the, who have this label Christian on them. We would say, no, 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 that's not what Christianity is like. Well, there are Muslims wanting to say the same thing. Yes, some people in the name of Islam have done some violent things, but Islam that's not Islam. You know, that, that's not who we are. And so the only way that we can break down these barriers is to recognize, you know, the only the only thing that really helps us to not make those false assumptions about the other is to actually sit down and talk to someone and spend time with someone who is the other. And when I have a name and a face and I can look into their eyes and I've heard their voice and I've shared a meal with them and I've listened to their story, genuinely listened to their story. Well, now I they become human. They become, oh, you know, I start noticing all the things we have in common and I realize they are just like me. And so now uh, those those stereotypes and assumptions I've made about all Muslims uh, aren't true anymore. I go, well, no, that's not true of all Muslims because the ones that I know are wonderful. Like you were saying, Craig, they're some of the nicest people I've ever known. I mean, honestly, they really are the most gracious and hospitable and kind uh, people I've ever met. And so, yeah, we have a lot to learn from them. And I think, again, that's what we're trying to do is host these kind of conversations and tear down some of those false assumptions. It always reminds me of a a quote by Gandhi. And I love this quote. And I say it all the time. He said, I love your Christ or I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christianity. Yeah. And Christians have a bad habit. And we try to stress this on, on our show, too, that Christians have a bad habit of making Christ look bad. <laughs> that's, you know, they have a bad uh, image of Christ because of Christians. Yeah. That's awful. I mean, if you sit really sit back and think, we're supposed to be the image bearers, right? We're supposed to be representatives of Christ. Well, they don't like that guy because of us. It's not because of our freedoms. They they don't like him because of you. Think about that for a second. And and I, that's why I, I, y'all, what y'all are doing with, the, with your podcast is so important. And it needs, we need more of that. We don't, we, we talk about some on this show and, you know, but the focus, the focus that y'all have with y'all's podcast is, is, is incredible to me because that's what y'all are doing. Y'all are promoting peace with that. You know, 
we're promoting peace with the bad Roman in a different different avenue. But y'all are just let's have a conversation with some folks that don't look like us, don't talk like like us, you know. And that's that's awesome. And I think that's so important. I know when you've been on the podcast before, Keith, we've talked a lot about tribalism, and I think that that's. A huge part of this because it, it's so easy when you're saying othering other people and seeing things so black and white and we're the good guys and they're the bad guys and it feels really good to see yourself as the good guy fighting against the bad guy but there's so much more nuance to the situation and there really are no good guys or bad guys and I think all of that kind of melts away like, like when you're talking about once you really get to know a person we're, we're not black and white anymore and we can kind of focus on on all those little different details that make us all who we are. And I think, you know, that what what you were just describing, Keith and Abby, it kind of reminds me of like, we have three kind of stages of peace building and peace catalysts where the first one is to understand because until you, then it's understand, connect, collaborate. But before you can actually connect, you have to understand the other person's story and where they're coming from and what their background is and vice versa, because then you can actually build that real connection with people who are different from you. So I just, yeah, I love how, how you explain that, Keith. I was, I, before I moved to Memphis, I, I had a neighbor, um, I lived, I lived in an apartment complex and um my neighbor, he was Muslim. We we very seldom saw each other because our our days were different. But he uh, he was outside cooking one day, and I was leaving to go to work. He was outside cooking on a grill, and we talked. I've got a West Texas accent. We weren't conversating <laughs> like we weren't understanding everything. He goes, "Do you want some?" He was cooking some food. He said, "I'll bring you some when I'm done with it." And I said, well, "I'm going to work." He said, well, "I'll bring you some later." Tomorrow, the next day, I'm off work, and I'm sitting in my living room, and I get a knock on the door, and I tell him he's got a plate full of food. Hands it to him, goes here. It was incredible. I mean, I just, just, just stuff like that. I mean, because I've got friends who are active military, and they are still stuck in that mindset that are, that all Muslims are evil. And I can't talk to them anymore. I've lost friends over this because I, I was like, listen, they're not all bad. You know, and when I say stuff like to that to them, they think that I've just lost my mind. Like it's so ingrained in the American mindset that, and, and even not just the American, but the Christian mindset. That's what's so disturbing to me is how Christians view them. I don't not necessarily concerned about how Americans view them. I'm talking about Christians because we weren't called to do this. We weren't called to treat these people like you know, like they're all evil. We're supposed to love them. We're not supposed to hate them. We're not supposed to wish them dead. We're not supposed to actively kill them. I mean, this is nothing, nothing, nothing about the life of Jesus says that. He was, he was, he was, he was so against it. <laughs> he went out of his way to die for us to prove it. I mean, it was just, I don't know, man. That, that's what's so frustrating to me with Christians. And I, I spend a lot of time kicking Christians around on the show because... <laughs> Well, I think a lot of Christians too, like, and I guess Americans, but they don't realize that most Muslims condemn nine, you know, condemn nine eleven, condemn condemn terrorism, like it's incompatible with Islam. Like that's something that most Muslims think and believe. So it's a very, I, don't, I think people don't understand how small the minority is of like any one in the Muslim religion who would agree with like you know, violent extremism or whatever, similar to Christianity. I mean, we have violent extremists, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. We have white nationalists. We have, you know, you wouldn't, hopefully we would not want anybody to look at the KKK and say, well, that's Christianity for you right there. You know, they, <laughs> this is what they all do. They're all like this. And this, you know, like we Christians would hopefully would be the first ones to say, no, 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 no. Hold on a minute. Those guys do not represent us. It's a very small segment of people. They're, they're very confused. They're not following the teachings of Jesus. And this is exactly what Muslims would, would say. And, have, and I've, you know, we have these conversations that would say, these people don't understand Islam. These, these people that are, that are the terrorists that are you know, setting off bombs and killing people in the name of Islam, they, can't, they don't understand the Quran. They're, 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 they're actively disobeying the teachings of, of Muhammad and Islam when they, every time they do that. And so, you know, they're the first to say that's that is not Islam. That's not 
You know, that's that's an extremist view. And Christians would say the same thing. You cannot say you love Jesus and then take an AR-15 and go shoot up people in a mosque or in a, in a synagogue. How in the world could you say that that was something that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, would would be would bless that and say, yeah, good job. Well, so, of course, we wouldn't want that. We Of course, we would stand up and say, that's not who Jesus is. And that's not what a follower of Jesus would do. And I think by hopefully by having these conversations on the podcast, that's why we, you know, the first series we're doing in the podcast is we started, we're starting by interviewing Muslim women. And I think that's, I'm so glad that that was our decision to kind of start there because number one, you're going to hear from Muslims um, directly and women. um, And you're going to see how loving and kind and gentle and, and intelligent and, and wise and capable these Muslim women are. And there is so much wisdom. There is so much we can learn from these Muslim women. And when uh, hopefully, again, our goal is that it starts to tear down these assumptions. And we, I mean, I mean, honestly, uh, this is going to sound weird, but I mean, in many ways, like when we're even doing the interviews, we, you know, first couple of interviews we've done, and I'm listening to these Muslim women speak, and I'm like, you know what? If you didn't know, like if you could just sort of, if it was a radio program, you could just kind of jump into the middle of this conversation. You didn't hear the beginning. You kind of jumped into the middle. And, oh, there's this woman and she's talking. You would probably assume she was a Christian woman because she, she doesn't sound any different than, than anybody else. She's talking about God and love and forgiveness and mercy and reconciliation. And you'd be going, yeah, that's, a, yeah, that's right. Amen. It's just the, then to go, oh, wait, but this is a Muslim woman. You know what I mean? Like, for Christians that are into this tribalistic way of thinking, you know, it, it just kind of makes you go, well, hang on a minute. This doesn't fit my paradigm. I, I now have to back up and rethink what I thought Islam was about because these Muslim women are really kind of destroying the, those assumptions. And yeah, I, I, that's why I'm loving it. I'm so excited by this podcast. I'm so glad I get to be a part of it. I want to touch on something on your second episode something that Tasneem Noor said because it kind of goes off of what Keith was just saying. And she brought up fear when she said fear. And when she said, she said something that was so on point. She said, when you listen to somebody that you disagree with, but you agree with what they're saying, then all of a sudden you start thinking, am I wrong about everything else about this folk, these folks, people are afraid to be wrong about things. And she said that and I was like, that's it. That's what's going on with a lot of what's happening is because people are afraid to be wrong about another person, how they, how they, had their mind made up so far and she brought up the media and she brought up politics and she said all that stuff is used used to divide us but once that's ingrained in a person's mind and she's once once you get past that fear then we can do this we can we can be peaceful with each other if we just stop being afraid of each other and being afraid of our own conceptions being wrong that was an incredible interview that really hit me too and it made me think i know from like family and people at church, I've heard a lot about how you have to beware of false teachings. And that has been kind of a thing of like, ah, don't get close to people who don't aren't Christians because you really have to beware of false teachings. Like, like they have some insidious that, that they can lead you away from the truth somehow. Um, and so I thought, I thought that was interesting. I was wondering if, if you guys have run into that. And I, and I also loved, um, she was very adamant, like, don't water down your message. Don't uh, like kind of cover over what you believe, like totally bring that to the table because I wouldn't want you to water down your beliefs to me. And I don't want to water down my beliefs to you, but we can disagree and still have a peaceful relationship and be nice to each other. So yeah, I guess I was wondering what your guys thoughts are on all that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess just on that last point, I love, yeah, everything that Tasneem said in that podcast. Um, And I think that is an important point. Like, you know, should I have to believe, should we have to believe the same thing or think the same thing in order to value and respect each other's dignity as fellow human beings, you know, in order to love and respect you? Do I have to believe what you believe and vice versa? Or do I have to pretend like I'm different in order for you to accept me? And I think that's a really important point for peacemaking because a lot of 
I think true peace, peacemaking is being authentic um, in relationships and, you know, not trying to be somebody else in order to <laughs> make others feel comfortable, you know. So I thought that was that was really an important piece. And then, yeah, I think, oh, gosh, now I'm blanking on what the first part of what you said was. But false um, teaching. Oh, yeah, false teaching. So I haven't personally run into that as much. I have been, you know, have had people in my network who can't conceive of being in a relationship with Muslims without at some point trying to be like introducing them to Jesus, right? Like, like this should all be leading up to that almost instead of this being in and of itself something enough and good and purposeful. So that's kind of been my experience. I think we tend to forget that it's okay if we disagree with each other too. Right. Just because we, if we disagree on things, doesn't mean we have to hate each other. We can still sit down and have dinner together. You know, we can still have conversations. You know, that's that's all it is. We're just loving your neighbor and hanging out with your neighbor, and we can disagree. I disagree with people every day. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> on a daily basis, but I don't hate them. Well. I try not to hate them. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a key thing. I mean, we've reached this point. So this is just my observation. Like I, as someone who has been called a heretic and a false teacher for a long time now, for many reasons, I have thought a lot about this. Like, so why is this? Why? Because there is a huge fear. You're right about like, we always need to determine who's right and who's wrong. And of course we're right. Okay, so this is this mindset where, you know, we have, reduce Christianity in America to having the right information about God. If you have the right information about God, and by the way, you need to, you have, you had better be right about God. And if I give you a quiz and I ask you these 10 questions about God, you better get them all right. And if you get a couple of them wrong, you, you may not be a Christian. And uh, so I don't know. So it's about information that that's the reason why, by the way, that's, but that's wrong. We shouldn't do that, but that's what we do. We act as if Christianity is having the right information about God. It, it isn't about that. But uh, but because we believe that, because we bought into that assumption, well, now the greatest fear is that, that you could be wrong about something. And so I'm right and you're wrong. And so, but what that also does is see when, when, when Christians take that posture, um, you know, that, well, I have the right information about God. I'm not wrong about anything. So, um, so you must be the one who's wrong. And what they do when they do that, and they, they don't realize what they're doing, but what, what they're honestly doing when they act that way, what they're really saying is, I can't be wrong about anything, so you must be wrong about something, right? It's not me, it's you. And this is the problem, right? We, it takes this posture that, oh, I am now the standard for all truth in the universe. I'm not wrong about anything. You must be wrong. And we must prove that I'm right and you're wrong. And again, this is not what it's about. The gospel is not about information. It's about transformation. And so transformation is about a connection and a relationship with God. And if you are genuinely in connection with God, if you are genuinely, you know, abiding in Christ and Christ is abiding in you, then, you know, the information can come and go and will change over time. I mean, that's been my experience. And it's, it's less important, you know, like an eight-year-old girl can genuinely know Jesus and love Jesus, have a connection with Jesus, but not be able to explain to you the Trinity, not be able to understand what penal substitutionary atonement is. And that's fine. She doesn't need to do that. She's better off not knowing those things. So again, but because you buy into this idea that it's having the right information, this is also why I can reject you if you suddenly say you don't believe one of those pieces of information or you, re you reject one of those pieces of information. Well, then I can't be, I can't be around you anymore. No, 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 you're wrong. You're wrong about something. That's the greatest sin, being wrong about something. And you're like, there's, I, I, I use this quote all the time. Um, Josh, Joshua Lawson, uh, give him credit for it uh, for a little bit longer. And eventually I'm just going to say it's my saying. He said, you know, the funny thing about my worldview is no matter how many times it changes, I'm always right. And that's true. That's how we act, right? We behave that way because I have changed my mind about different things I believe over my faith over, over the last 10, 15 years. And, and we do take that attitude of, well, every time I changed my mind, I was right. And I, I changed my mind. I'm right again. But the other, the flip side of that is also true. I've been wrong before and I'm probably wrong about a few things now. And in a few years, I'll be wrong again. So now if we take that posture, right, if we say, I have been wrong before, I'm probably wrong about some things now, I might be wrong in the future, then that, that should create some humility, right? And then also acknowledge, 
it's okay if I'm wrong about some things. Being wrong or being right, that's not what it's about, right? And so, um, you know, I think what we're trying to do with Peace Catalyst Podcast is I think we know that we are talking to Christians that do assume those things, that have accepted that idea of well, Christianity is having the right information. And so I think what we're slowly trying to do is show them, no, it's not about having the right information. It's about transformation. It's about connection with God. And if, if you're going to be connected, you know, with Christ, then you are called to love your enemies and you are called to love your neighbor and you have been given a ministry of reconciliation. So let's walk that out and let's just set aside who's right and who's wrong, because that's less important than, you know, actually doing these things and loving our neighbors and um, loving others as Christ has loved us. You know, Christ loved me when I was wrong about things and he still loves me now and I'm wrong about things. I can maybe I can do that, too. Um, so we're, we're trying to help Christians kind of turn that corner and move away from that certainty. Like, you know, we act like it's all about certainty and it isn't right. The opposite of faith is not doubt. It's certainty. The minute you're certain about something, you don't, you don't have faith. You have, you have certainty. So, you know, we want to move away from this, this need for certainty, embrace mystery, admit we don't have it all figured out. No one does, you know, um, we're doing the best we can. And, um, and then acknowledge then also then that Muslims are doing the same thing, right? They're also doing the same thing. And having these kind of conversations with these Muslim women that we've done so far in this first series has been beautiful because hearing them say back to me some of these same things that I've been thinking for a long time, it's like, whoa, that's really cool, right? Maybe the same God that speaks to me is speaking to them. That's cool, right? Anyway, that's I definitely I agree with you. I've seen that I've seen that whole thing, and um, it's such a fear-based way of behaving, right? I think we'd have to move away from this fear and move into love because it kind of is one or the other. Perfect love casts out fear, right? Because fear has to do with judgment and and all this thing. So we want to move away from that. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear; He's given us a spirit of love. So we want to move in that direction. I love that, and it and it's so important because I think. If you're trying to have a peacemaking conversation, but you really both have the agenda of trying to convert each other, you're really undermining that that peacemaking mission. Yep. I'm just going to sit here and say that I'm the <laughs> smartest person I know at this moment. And that's going to change probably in five seconds. <laughs> but the only reason I'm the smartest person I know is because I've been wrong about everything right. in the past. If I, if I hadn't been wrong about things... I wouldn't have learned anything. I mean, you you have to admit that you're wrong about some things before you can learn anything. And, and until you get past that, you're just going to be stuck in that one spot. Right. And it's it's allowed me to be more loving to my neighbor to admit that I'm not, I'm not right about everything. I like to think I am. <laughs> it sounds like I am to, in my head. Like it's going on in my head. Like you're right about that, Craig, but <laughs> not necessarily. Not not to everybody else. But in Craig's head, I'm living in my own world over here. But I had to be wrong about things. So yeah, but here, here's the thing. I, I I love that, Craig. So it's like, um, you know, if you are if you're going to follow Romans 12 and you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, it means you're probably going to have to be open to the possibility that you might need to change your ideas about some things. You might have to rethink some things, right? You might be wrong about some things. How in the world are you going to renew be transformed by the renewing of your mind if you're convinced you got it all figured out, right? I think I think it's a good thing to move into that place. It is this place of more moving into a place of humility. There's also a quote I saw recently, and I can't remember who said it, but it was uh, something like, you know, we're closer to God when we're asking questions than we are when we think we have all the answers. Oh, man, that's powerful. That's true, too, because, I, yeah, I spend a lot of time asking him questions on a daily basis. Like, I'm not one to get down on my knees every night before I go to sleep and pray, but I spend most of my time at work talking to him because I'm, I'm by myself on my press and I'm alone. And so I need somebody to talk to. I'm a social butterfly by nature. So I'm just going to talk to God and I'm going to ask him questions. And he doesn't answer me right then. But when he does, there it is. <laughs> oh, there it is. Abby, do you have anything else you want to ask them? I want, I, I want them to uh, kind of plug everything about Peace Catalyst and the podcast and what we can find it. But I want to let Abby have the final, final say on everything. I'd love to just hear more about Peace Catalyst and the mission and everything you guys do and all the history and all that. You know, Peace Catalyst was started by a wonderful man named Rick Love, 
who um, he passed away last year, but he started Peace Catalyst because he began kind of building relationships with Muslims who were asking him, like, hey, how can you how can you support sending people into these other countries or whatever and kind of like going undercover and lying about why they're really there to try to convert Muslims? Like, doesn't that seem like there's something wrong with that, <laughs> you know? Um not being honest or authentic and what your purpose is um, in building relationships with people. And he became involved with this initiative called A Common Word, which was essentially like world religious leaders, Christians and Muslims coming together from all over the world to say, we want a common word of peace between each other. And we're going to, you know, write this all out and commit to loving each other, fostering peace with each other and setting an example for Christians and Muslims around the world to say, we can have peace together. We can build um, friendship with each other and we're going to model that and then lead that in our own countries and our own communities. And so um, Peace Catalyst was kind of born out of that. And Rick Love also helped to start Evangelicals for Peace, um, which is a, a broad network of evangelical leaders who are committing to peace, essentially. So primarily, our, our goal has been, you know, fostering reconciliation with Muslims and Christians and their neighbors and really collaborating for peace in our communities as equal partners. Um, Muslims and Christians have the same concerns, you know, oftentimes about different issues in our communities. So we were trying to figure out how can we work together, both in, you know, bringing Christians and Muslims together for friendship, but also collaborating on other issues in our communities. Um, and now I think, you know, we're kind of recognizing that really most of our work as an organization is helping to form Christians for peace building. So we're giving Christians a framework and understanding knowledge about like, why should they engage in peace building and how can they engage in peace building and then providing um, opportunities for them to do that. So that's kind of like the direction we're growing in and it's what we've kind of been doing, but we're just stepping into more collaboration across other community conflicts and social divisions as well. So was the podcast your, y'all's idea or were y'all approached by somebody in Peace Catalyst about starting the podcast? Do you remember, Becca, whose idea it was? I mean, Becca and I were already working with Peace Catalyst. Uh, At some point, somebody, it might have been Martin. It was my idea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Becca. Do you remember, Becca? (laughs) I brought it. Keith does not remember. I I honestly don't know. I'm I'm learning as as I go here. Wow. (laughs) I pitched it to Martin. I said, I, what do you think about this? You know, it's COVID. People are sitting at home. Like, maybe we should be putting some kind of content. And then we just, you know, bribed Keith to do it with <laughs> us. <laughs> well, I, honestly, I felt a little useless because of COVID. I mean, I did one pretty pretty successful meeting here in January of last year uh, here in El Paso with, with I think, like, like 40 Christians and Muslims, and we came to the, together. It was a Muslim-hosted event, and we had a, a dinner, and I spoke about like what we have in common between Muslims and Christians. And it was really great, and I thought, oh, man, this is going to take off. I was so excited. And uh, then COVID hit, and then I'm just twiddling my thumbs. I'm like, well, now what? I got nothing. And so then when they came and said, hey, wow, how about doing a podcast? I was like, well, okay, I can do that. Let's do that. <laughs> Good idea, Becca. Good idea, Becca. Great idea. That's awesome been so fun um becca keith whichever one do y'all want to tell us where we can find peace catalyst where we can find your podcast at and everybody listening to this i I want you to go check it out even if it's not your jam go check out some of these conversations because there's some stuff that they're talking about that that christians need to hear i'm I'm, it's 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 a great idea i love what y'all are doing with it and go check it out but yeah tell us where we can find everything about Peace Catalyst. Yeah, well, our website is peacecatalyst.org and you can check out the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, basically. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. And it's just the Peace Catalyst podcast. And so I I would say, let me just add to that. um, We do have a private Facebook group for people that listen to the podcast where we can go and have more conversations and share resources and things like that. Um, Things that are mentioned on the podcast. 
We're on an every other week schedule. Every other Tuesday, uh, we have a new episode that releases. And um, the series we're in right now, which is interviewing Muslim women, we're way ahead of the game. Beck and I have already started recording the, the, the second series, which is interviewing Christian peacemakers. And so we've already interviewed Shane Claiborne and uh, a guy named Dr. Salim Lunayir, who's phenomenal. Um, and we have some other things scheduled coming up. So there's great stuff coming. We we know, we can tell you right now with confidence, if you start listening, there's going to be amazing stuff to hear, uh, great guests, surprising things. So really good stuff coming up. And uh, I, I want to thank you guys, uh, Craig and Abby. Thank you guys for your podcast. Thank you for inviting us on. Uh, to talk about it. Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely, I love I love being able to help promote other folks' stuff with our st- with our stuff. I mean, people wouldn't know about the bad Roman if, if other people weren't talking about it. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's it's important that I help other folks do it, and you know, because we need to help each other along the way with this because it's a lot of work and and it's awesome. And I'm glad you mentioned y'all's y'all's Facebook group too because and I, I keep remember forgetting to mention this on ours, we started one as well with the Bad Roman Discussion Group. Folks that listen to podcasts or follow us on Facebook, they can they can come and check it out. So if you're not part of that group, come check us out on Facebook. And basically all we do in there is pick on each other. We don't really talk about anything important. We're just making fun of each other the whole time. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, man, I, I appreciate y'all's, uh, y'all's work. It's, it's important work and y'all keep doing what you're doing and I'm going to keep listening. I really enjoy what, what, what y'all put out so far. And I'm looking forward to that Shane Claiborne episode because I thought I was the biggest uh, critic of Donald Trump as a Christian until I heard Shane Claiborne. <laughs> and <laughs> mentioned that to him too. It's been fun. All right, guys, I'm going to let y'all get out of here and get back to your day. This was fun, and I really appreciate what y'all are doing. Abby, thanks for uh, hanging out and and making me sound smarter and taking care of this. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about the Bad Roman Project and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com.